today on Locked On Canadians, it is the Friday mailbag. Everybody's mind is on trades. It's on the draft. We've got speculation. We've got off-season to-do lists. We've got all kinds of mailbag questions on today's episode. In just one moment. You are Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 863 of Locked On Canadians. And we thank you for making this your first listen of the day every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. And today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. My name is Laura Saba, also known as The Active Stick. And today I'm not joined by the wonderful Scott Matlov Habs Eyes on the Prize. Scott has the night off, so it is just me and, if you're watching on YouTube, my polka dot t-shirt today. Um, And we will be doing the Friday mailbag. I'm just going to right off the bat tell everybody we got so many amazing questions that we are not going to get to all of them today. But as always, as we promised, we will get to them in subsequent episodes. So we'll make sure that all of your questions that you've asked uh, are covered. Uh, and there are a lot today. There are truly so many questions and there were some really great ones. And there's a couple that are still left over from the last week mailbag. Um, and I, I just want to thank everybody because it really truly makes me feel so great to get so many interesting questions. Like people, it's, it is the off season. There's not a whole lot going on as we wait for the draft to happen other than, you know, the big Cole Caulfield signing. It just feels like a little bit anticlimactic now that that's done. But there's still a lot of stuff to talk about as the Canadians get ready uh, for the draft. And I just want to point out that my co-host is actually going to be at the NHL Combine, uh, the NHL Entry Draft Combine, I guess, in Buffalo. Uh, and Scott will have all kinds of news and tidbits for us for, from that on the Monday episode. So really, really excited about that. There's a couple questions about that too, but we might wait until he gets back um, to ask those questions, just, you know, just to make sure that all our bases are covered. Uh, I think the first question that I want to start with is from Shane G, and it is an email question. So thanks, Shane. Hi, Scott and Laura. Here's my mailbag question. I want to be reminded of what the Habs believed Slavkovsky could become at the time of the draft last year. What do you believe Slav can do? So Scott and I were both at the draft. Like Scott was literally covering it. And I was just kind of trying to absorb uh, as much as I could from the draft. And, you know, anything that I could talk to journalists about, any scouts about, public scouts, private scouts. Some of the front offices were there and were so gracious and kind to talk to me. Um, Obviously all off the record. But there are a number of people... And again, this is not the Canadians front office. I have to be clear. I was not like, I did not talk to them in any way. Did run into Kent Hughes, never asked him. Um, But I think that there's the ceiling for that, for this player at the time was extremely, extremely high. And I think he's still got a high ceiling. I'm not, I haven't given up on the ceiling just yet. But the word that was being thrown around that weekend, and Scott can vouch for this. In fact, a lot of people that were around that weekend can vouch for this. 
was Yager. So I don't know if that's what the Canadians saw in him because as we know, there's always like, you know, everybody's always looking for the next Bobby Orr. That's not going to happen. Everybody's always looking for the next Gretzky. That's not going to happen. Everybody's looking for the next Mario Lemieux. That's not going to happen. And everybody's looking for the next Yaramir Yager. Like these players are so, so astronomically elite that it will be hard for anybody to surpass or be the next one. But I think one thing that I think the Canadians saw in him, and that is where I will sort of concede to the scouts and the journalists that were talking to me, is that he has the potential to be electric. He has the potential to be, you know, jumping out of your seat, watching him good. Like, I can't wait to be at the Bell Centre when he achieves whatever his maximum potential in Montreal is. I can't wait to be there and watch him play. I really don't think that that's a ceiling that he can attain, but I still feel that his ceiling is really high. Like, he had an extremely strange first season in the NHL, his rookie season. And we've talked a lot on this episode, on, on this show, about how they did not play him enough. And he, ha- he doesn't still have the uh, mental maturity level on the ice to catch up with the skill that he has and the potential that he has. There are some flaws in his game, obviously. He's still pretty raw. The Canadians seem to be very adamant that they're taking their time with him and going really slow. I get it, but I just have to kind of have faith in their development plan because so far I haven't seen I haven't seen what they see in him. I think he's like he's been fun. He he seems like a great character. You can sometimes see shades of the potential of what he's going to be, but I don't I still don't understand what captured their imagination with regard to Slavkovsky. And again, like I have so many, I have high hopes for this player and I really, really want to sort of champion and support his growth as a Canadian fan. Uh, I just, I don't think that it's at the level that we were talking about. Like, you know, this time last year at the draft, everybody was talking about how phenomenal he was. I don't, I don't think that this year we're having that conversation, but I also want to caution against people giving up on him and thinking that he's a bust because there were some injury issues. There's a couple of, of playing with your head up kind of issues that, you know, there's stuff that he can actually work on to prevent that, um, to, to make him quote unquote less uh, injury prone because it is the NHL and I never want to blame the victim, but you know that there's guys out there head hunting with their elbows. There's that's literally just the way it is. So I just want to kind of, be patient myself and see where this goes, see how this development goes. Uh, because I, I think that the Canadians, the Canadians see something in him. And I, I, I have faith that they're good enough evaluators of, of talent that he's not going to be a complete bust. He might not attain that ceiling, but he's not going to be a complete bust. Uh, and so that's a great question from Shane G. Thank you so much. We got a question from our good friend Randy Hansen on Twitter. Do you think that Adam Nicholas still needs to add to his staff? And is there a recent player you think would be a great fit in development? I do think so. I think that the, I think Adam Nicholas is fantastic. Everything that you hear about the work that he's done and his ability to improve players' skills and games uh, and game is very promising. It's extremely encouraging. I like what I'm hearing. Uh, I think that he does need additional help. Like, obviously, they have got Marie-Philippe Poulain. They've got, you know, they've got Vinny LeCavalier and whatever his role is. It's like 
special advisor or whatever, but he was like, he was there for rookie camp and, and training camp and stuff. So like, they've got people around that um, you can tell what the mentality they're going for is in terms of like, you know, the way that they play games. And then you've got Adam Nicholas, who's got like really good, um, he's got a really great ability to improve people's skills or give them the tools in order to improve themselves. I love that. A recent player you think would be a great fit in development. That's a tough one because I constantly look at some players that I really love that are, you know, they're aging out of the game. And I think, you know what, this player needs a front office role or this player needs a coaching staff role or something like that. Um, And I personally, I'm going to not go off the board, but I think people are thinking about like a skater. I think Carey Price would work in development. I feel like Carey Price makes people around him elevate their game. A lot of the players, like a lot of the goalies, like idolized him growing up and that makes us all feel old. Uh, but there's there's something about his athleticism that I feel um, it it's practiced, right? Like he had skill, he had talent, he had the raw talent and then he did the work. And to me, I feel like that work that he did, like I think that's that's a good way to mentor uh, sorry, that's a good thing to do, like to mentor other up and coming goalies. And as we talked about, there's a big question mark in goal. We're going to talk about Carter Hart as, until he gets traded to wherever he's going to get traded to. Um, so that'll come up again. But like, I'm thinking of the future of the Canadians goaltending. And I, I, I don't know if it's, I'm just biased because I really like the way that Carey Price plays. I think it's beautiful to watch. Maybe that's what, that's why I want him around this team. But in the meantime, uh, we are done with our first two mailback questions but we still have so many more like I said there are so many more questions and they're all coming up in just one moment but first today's episode is brought to you by bird dogs what are bird dogs they're only the most comfortable and stylish men's shorts ever like I can vouch well I can't personally vouch but I gave some to my brother-in-law and he absolutely loves them They're stretch cocky shorts that are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and the leg and they give you a sculpted look like you you literally look great just taking out the trash or, you know, going out or whatever. They do the same exact same thing as Lululemons, but they fit way better. And honestly, everyone I know that's had them all, all of the guys on the Lockdown Podcast Network love them. Uh, because they're comfortable, they're not restricting their anti-sweat wicking fabric, you know, you stay cool, and they look good. I think that's the biggest one, that they look good. And here's the thing, I gave my brother-in-law the shorts, but I kept the tumbler, because if right now you go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNHL, and you enter the promo code LockedOnNHL, you're going to get a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash LockedOnNHL for a free Yeti-style tumbler. And you're not going to want to take your bird dogs off. We absolutely promise you. But again, you want that tumbler. I have it. I take it to work every day. I take my coffee in it. It is an amazing tumbler. And you know you want that. So check out birddogs.com. And do not forget to enter our promo code locked on NHL. All right. We have tons more mailbag questions. I'm like trying to... The solo one is kind of hard because I'm by myself and I'm trying to like read the questions it kind of looks like I'm ignoring all of you from my phone if you're watching on YouTube our good friend Joe goalie droid why did I say Jolie droid goalie droid how does Danielle Briere potentially being a good GM affect the Habs in other words all GMs end up fired eventually and Briere is a francophone and former Hab 
So what would you think of him potentially becoming a Habs GM? I think the next year and a half is going to be extremely interesting for the Flyers because they've been treading water. Uh, They've been bad. They haven't been good. They've been bad, but bad with no promise. You're not seeing like um, a full prospect cupboard. You're not seeing promise. You're seeing the contrary. You're seeing them trade away players that are great. That's, you know, they're sellers. That's fine. You're sellers. If you're not a good team, you're, you want your draft picks. You want to, you know, you want to trade away some of your players. Um, but it feels like this team should have been much better than they have been over the last couple of years. And I think that's key. So right now, and you know, Philadelphia is a tough market. We all know that they're an extremely tough market. So if he can pull off some more good moves, if he can turn this team around, whether it's going full rebuild or a quick retooling for dramatic improvement over the next couple of seasons. If he can do this and get that Philly market on board, I want him. I want him as soon as Kent Hughes is fired or resigns, which hopefully will be a while from now, because I think that like, I have a lot of excitement about the Hughes and Gordon era because they're so bold. Like they're, they're interesting. They're doing fun things. You know, they're embracing a rebuild. They're not trying to sell us on something called a retool or whatever. They're making those bold moves. They're going off the board sometimes. They still value skill. You know, they're working on development. There's a lot there. But, like, I want to see a couple more things that Danielle, like, not a couple more things, a couple more years, like a year and a half to two years. I want to see where the Philadelphia Flyers are at the end of not next season, but the season following. So two years from now, when we're sitting here at the end of the season, almost done Stanley cup, whatever we're, we're headed towards the draft. Where's Philadelphia there? Like how hopeful does that, that team look? And if it looks good, then I'm down. Then I'm down for Daniel, Daniel Breer, just, you know, and it's important to get the Philadelphia market to buy in though, because that is a very, very tough market. We think, you know, Montreal and Toronto are tough markets, but Philadelphia sports fans, you do not mess with those people. All right. We've got a fun question from our friend at Locked on Sharks, J.D. Young. Hi, J.D. What do you think is the first thing Cole Caulfield bought after signing his extension? Pixie sticks. Uh, <laughs> some sort of candy. Like he's he's a child. He's like an eight-year-old. Imagine you gave an eight-year-old, I don't know, seven point whatever million dollars it was uh, for eight years. I think he's this $52 million man now. I, I did the math. I wrote it down and then I lost the piece of paper. I was like, how much money is Cole Caulfield making over the next eight years? Either way, he's buying pixie sticks with them. He bought he bought something extremely frivolous. He bought something silly. I don't know what it was. Maybe like a Nerf gun. I don't know. But that's my, that's my opinion of what he did. Follow up. What would be the first thing you buy after signing a contract like that? Oh, uh, I know exactly what it would be. It would be a dwelling. It would be some sort of a home, but it would be a nice home, but not a large home. I don't want any of those giant mansions, you know, the like, I don't know, multi-million whatever. Just a nice home in a nice neighborhood where, you know, I don't have to do a lot of renovating. It's already everything. Everything looks the way I want it to. And then I would go on an epic one-year travel. I mean, I know I would have to play hockey during the regular season if I'm Cole Caulfield, but like, let's say somebody gave me that kind of money. I would do an epic like around the world. I, w- I want, there's so many countries in the world I want to see. And I would love to have the money to do all of that. Like not even just like just chilling, like not even just like Bora Bora, just everything, everything. 
I want, like, I would train for years and then climb Mount Everest. Like, that's, that's what I would do if I had that kind of money. Uh, and that was a really, really fun question, JD. Thank you. So we've got another question from Mike Havslas. We should have him on again soon. It's been a really, really long time. He's in Florida. So he's been, you know, following along with the Stanley Cup run. If the Habs were to trade up from 31 to 32 to the mid-teens to pick a player, who should that player be? I'm going to go out on a, not a limb here, but I'm going to go out and think that maybe all that Reinbacher hype, that David Reinbacher hype, doesn't mean he gets picked in the top 10. He was originally projected to be like, you know, 16th, 17th, and potentially lower, depending on which public scout you talk to. I know that NHL teams value guys like that. I know everybody wants the next Moritz Sider, but David Reinbacher to me is a mid-teens player or a late-teens player. Um, and that's who I would want. I, I like. It's not that I don't want him. It's that I don't want him that high. I want him later. Uh, like later where normally the halves would not be picking. So Mike, that is the answer to your question. Why? Because he's a large defenseman with some promise. Um, I do feel that the hype is excessive. Like I don't want to. Like I don't want to say he's disappointing or anything like that. I don't know. I don't know where his career trajectory is going to go. But I do think that he belongs in the teens. He, I, I'm in my scenario. He's available in the teens, and that is where he is being picked. And that is the Canadians doing this in your, in in, in Habs scenario. We've got time for one. Well, it's a, it's a two-part question, and this is from Julie P on Twitter. Mailback question one, hockey related. What are you most looking forward to this offseason? I'm most looking forward to the weird cap math that everybody has to do now that we know that the cap is not going up this season, but it is going up quite a bit next season. I'm really interested to do, to, to see the Tetris, the, the salary cap Tetris slash gymnastics everyone does, trying to put themselves in a good position for next year because there's so many teams that are right up against the cap. And again, it's because the cap was expected to rise and then the pandemic happened. It didn't go up. It remained stagnant, all that escrow stuff, blah, blah, blah. So there, there are a lot of contracts that people need to get off the books. There's a lot of room that they want to play with. And I'm just interested to see like what people do. Do they just like sit, sit and just wait for the cap to rise? Is that what they do? Or do they do weird gymnastics? Like I'm, I'm very fascinated with like how the draft, like the trades that happen on draft weekend or the two days that are the draft is no longer a weekend, the trades that happen during the draft and what happens leading up to free agency and on those first couple of days of free agency. Julie's next question is, it's not hockey related. What is the best Middle Eastern restaurant in Montreal? Uh, I've got a lot. If you want Armenian cuisine, it would be Manta. It's spelled M-A-N-T-I and that's in Laval. If you just want, like, you know, shawarma, like, after a night out, uh, the best place for that is shawarmas. It's basically just shawarma with a Z at the end. Um, if you're looking for Lebanese food that reminds me of my mom's cooking, uh, that is, believe it or not, it's this place called District 961, which doesn't look at all like, you know, like a grandma's cooking or a mom's cooking kind of like, you know, hole-in-the-wall kind of restaurant. It is literally a place that turns into a nightclub at night. <laughs> 
but the food there is like it feels authentic to me as a Lebanese person. Uh, there's a couple of other places. Uh, Mizmiz is like really, really, really well regarded. There's a place called Kezameza that's really, really well regarded. Those are my favorites. There's a place called Lilac that I never go to um, because people are smoking shisha there and it's like unpleasant to be in there. I think the one in Laval is not like that, actually. There's two. There's one in Laval. There's one in Ville Saint Laurent. Um, and they also have really decent food. So those are my my favorites for Middle Eastern cuisine. Oh, my God. And uh, Le Petit Alep. And that one phenomenal it's a bit of a mix of everything like it's a quote-unquote syrian cuisine but there's a bunch of armenian stuff there as well um so honestly definitely those places are my top i don't know if i could pick one favorite so i gave you a bunch of categories right um definitely try try all of these and then report back because they're all so good uh and we've got a bunch more questions that are coming up but uh those are going to be in the next segment. I'm tripping all over my words because I'm all by myself. I miss my co-host. All right. Bunch of questions coming up next. But first, this episode is brought to you by Game Time. How often do you find out an artist you love is going to be in town and you find out too late or what you think is too late and you worry that you've missed the boat on buying tickets, you scramble or you're sad it keeps happening to you, but here's the thing. Getting tickets should not be that stressful, and there is hope to get last-minute tickets. Let's say you find out the day before, the day of. You can find tickets on Game Time because Game Time has flash deals, easy to use, and it is the place for, la for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance because Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Like I'm telling you, you find out somebody's going to be in town, and you're like, oh, my God. It's probably sold out. I can't find tickets. I will never find tickets. You'll find them on game time. You can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and roll for less, game time will credit you 100% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKDOWNNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKDOWNNHL for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, let's get back to your mailbag questions. And again, everyone, thank you so much. You've got some really, 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 really great questions. I've got one from Ryan Lee in Montreal. Now that the Cole Caulfield contract is out of the way, let's answer the most important question that's been on my mind. Cole is the Habs version of Danny Rojas, right? So for those of you who do not watch uh, Ted Lasso, the Danny Rojas is a character who is an absolute delight. He is one of the younger people, like one of the younger players on the team. So Ted Lasso is a, obviously a show about a football team in the English Premier League. Um, and he's very energetic. He's very delightful. He has like a little bit of innocence sometimes. Like it's really, it's really fun to watch. Um, and his uh, catchphrase or tagline I don't know what I would call it. Like, I think I would call it a catchphrase, like a tagline. I don't know. I don't even know. Um, and it's football is life. Like, essentially, he just, he he's really talented. He's full of joy. 
and he loves being a football player. He's absolutely adorable. He's one of my favorite characters. And the, the more the show goes on, the better, uh, the more we get to know him, the more storylines he gets, the more of his personality is written, the characters written well, um, the more I love it. So yes, Cole Caulfield is absolutely Ryan. You are right. Absolutely the Danny Rojas of the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, and then we've got a question from Boondoggle uh, regarding Owen Beck. Next year, there are only two options for Beck, CHL or NHL. So what do the Habs do? Is he physically ready for the NHL? I don't think there's anything left for him to learn in the CHL. Or is there an option to loan Beck to Europeans, European Men's League for a year? Once Beck is 20, the Habs are no longer forced to send him to the CHL if he's not NHL ready. So it's a very awkward time because I feel like I would have wanted him in the AHL, but as you know, they can't do that to him. Um, and so I feel like you're right in that he feels physically ready for the NHL. It feels like he's ready to get there. I also think that there's a spot for him to lose out of training camp. I don't think that the Canadians have that much of a logjam because I do think that they're going to unload some players. I think there'll be a spot for him on the third or fourth line as a center on this team, and he can win it in training camp. Again, that depends on who they draft, who they trade for, what they do with Kirby Doc. That's an important one. So as in what they do as in not trade him or, or, or whatever, but do they play him at center or at wing up front with, uh, with Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield? So like, there's a lot of things. So I feel like, though, he wouldn't benefit from going back to the CHL. Like the Canadians are, are in a really tough position. And I really hope this isn't one of those things where, uh, do you remember the Guillaume Latendresse issue? Um, and, uh, and he was not eligible for the AHL. He was NHL or Q ready. I think it was, it was and the Canadians, he, like there was just so much expectation attached to him that it never panned out. So that's like, I definitely do not want that for, uh, Owen Beck. I, like, I, th I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be fine. I think they're going to get him. I think they're going to put him in the NHL. Like, I still feel like there's a little bit of a maturity level there that's missing. I really do. Like, I think very, very highly of him. There's something there in terms of maturity. In terms of physically, as you said, Boondoggle, it's, he's, he's pretty ready. Um, and then I've got a question from Randy Hansen. And again, if we don't ask your question today, it's because we got so many great questions. There's a bunch of trade proposals. There's like, you guys went really all out with your trade proposals. Uh, so we are going to talk about them next week. We promise. Also, the Elite Prospects uh, Annual, whatever it's called, is out. The guy, the draft guide is out. The draft preview, the, the draft guide is out. We've got a great relationship with EP. Um, and we've got lots of people that we love on there. And we will be having them on soon. We have reached out to them and they're obviously very busy because this thing just came out. Uh, but we will definitely get you some of their insights because we love them. We've got other draft people. And this time next week, we've got a live episode with a draft favorite. So I'm going to ask a couple more of these questions. And then so there's a question about, you know, what what do they do with Kirby Doc? What do they, they do with Sean Monaghan? We're going to address that next week. We're going to ask a couple of slightly off topic questions. One of them is from our good friend, Beth, who we haven't heard from in a while, but it's really, really nice to hear from you, Beth, from the Happy Hour. What duo, aside from Nick and Cole, would you like to see on the chat this upcoming season? I feel like I want to see Jordan Harris 
and David Savard because they are very unassuming. They're very quiet. They're very chill. And I feel like they've got these like crazy personalities that I really, really want to see. And then finally, a question from Randy Hansen. What author do you wish was better known so that you could discuss their work with other people? So the author is Imran Mahmoud, and it's kind of unlike anything that I've ever read. I think he's a fantastic novelist, and that is the author that I wish was better known, here at least. I don't know if he's that, but he's, he's probably better known in the UK. Um, that's the author I wish was better known, so that I could talk about his work more with people. Uh, and that's all for today's mailbag. And I promise you, there's more questions. <laughs> there's more questions coming up. Um, and we will cover them in next week's episode. There's in fact, like there's so many that we might need two episodes next week to cover all the mailbag questions. But we also have stuff from the NHL Combine, because that is where Scott is this weekend. And he will give us all of the scoop on the Monday episode and potentially more depending on how many sound bites and stuff he gets. So stay tuned for that. Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. You can also find us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can leave mailback questions in the Twitter DMs. Uh, you can reply to us on Twitter with, with questions. You can leave them in the YouTube comments. Just put mailback question at the beginning, just so that we know that you want us to bring it up on the show. Uh, or you can email us at lockedoncanadians at gmail.com. We've had some really, really great ones, and we will be discussing all of them next week. So make sure you are tuned in then. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow.